Welcome to another episode of the JMS Podcast. Um, today's guest is comedian David Stolowitz. He came on and we had a great talk. It was a very deep conversation. And I think so far his conversation has been the deepest where it hits something in me where I really sympathize for him. And God bless him. I mean, he's a great guy. And the comedy circuits, I see him around and... He usually keeps to himself, but he's just a very, very, very nice guy. And talking to him, I I felt like I began to understand the man more. You know, because you meet people, but you don't really get to know them. And I think David Stolowitz is a great example of what I um, aim to do with this podcast. And that is to really get to know a creative person. And I just hope I did a good job, you know. I hope I, I did him justice or and stuff like that, um, because he confided quite a bit. And in a lot of ways, that's what I wanted from this podcast, you know. Although most of my guests are comedians, at the same time, I, I approach them not as like, "Hey, you know, say something funny," but more approach them as, "Hey, you know, how do you work? You know, who are you? What makes you tick?" So, yeah, it's it's one of those conversations with, I had with David Stolowitz where it took me a bit to digest, but ultimately I felt a positive energy comes from it because I just see I just I just know him a lot more. That's all. All right, saying that, please subscribe if you haven't already from whatever you're listening from. Check out the GMS podcast. Um, Facebook page please like it please like it see I'm at the point where I'm begging guys to like my Facebook page unless you don't like it fair enough but I'll be cool alright let's move on to David Stolowitz Romance? Yeah. Oh, dude, that's like a classic. Written by Quentin Tarantino, directed by uh, Tony Scott. Amazing film. You know your directors, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the ones that count. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you big into filmmaking? Um, yeah, I'd have to say. I dated a filmmaker for a while. Really? Uh-huh. How did that turn out? Um, well, he lives in San Ramon now. He hasn't talked to me in a couple years. Uh, how long ago was this? It was back in the O's. Back uh, in the is that is that what they call it these days? The two thousands, the two thousands. I've the also O's? heard the aughts, but that's more of an East Coast thing. The aughts, get out of here! What? Yeah, forget about it. The aughts. That's an old English word for zero. <laughs> so, what kind of filmmaker was he? Was he? He went to um, the art college in San Francisco. Um, did you meet him through film? No. I think I met him through Match.com. He lived oh. in Woodside, and uh, his dad was super rich. 
kind of an asshole though one of those guys who just subscribes to everything Aunt Coulter says <laughs> uh, those kind of rich guys mm-hmm. um, but he was a sweet kid smelled like lavender <laughs> so do you, you usually date younger? no actually if he was younger he was only a couple years younger than me but um, he just he could never stand up to his father and I think he was as scared of being gay as I was, but he dealt with it in a different way. He didn't come out of the closet yet to his father? He had, but it was rocky. Like, his father tolerated it, but he didn't really accept it. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, once in a while he'd have a guy over, but it's a different part of the house. Had to keep it very discreet and quiet. Like at the beach house or something? Yeah. What had happened is he fell in love with this guy that was in another state, like either Arizona or Nevada. And, uh, you know, I was a little taken aback because I was into him and he just really wasn't that into me. He wanted more of a friend, I think. Oh, no, you got friend zoned. Yes, yeah, so I was a gay people too. <laughs> this is the first time I heard of a, of, of a, of a gay, gay person zone. getting friend zoned. <laughs> hey, friend zone goes across genders. Yeah. And across uh, sexual orientations. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you were really digging this guy. This guy was a filmmaker. And... Yeah, Nick Schoenfeld. Um, so he works for some kind of corporation now. I don't know if he still does film or not. Uh, I saw him a few years back for the holidays, but, you know, I just, I figured out that I had a lot of repressed anger against him for just... I kind of resented him for never taking me seriously. I didn't even realize it myself yeah. um, until I saw him again because, you know, he had tried to have a relationship with this out-of-state guy, and then it wasn't falling through. Uh-huh. And, and, then, and, and throughout this whole time, you had feelings for him. Yeah, He made it clear. He's like, hey, I loved dude. Him. Yeah. Um, yeah. The sex was good, but it was more than that. And uh, we both love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's what it is. That's what the chemistry is at. <laughs> A lot of California gay guys bonded over Buffy and the O's. <laughs> and this is before. This is during the aughts, right? This yeah. is the, the O's or whatever you call them. The zeros. Hey, I like that. The zeros. Uh, well, in your case, it was the O. Yeah. Uh, it, where there was no Netflixing. There was just, you had to buy these huge packs of DVDs for the seasons of oh, Buffy yeah, the Vampire. Oh, yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> Man, I'm sorry to hear that. So, sorry to hear that it didn't work out with him. Uh, you know what? I think he ended up falling in love with another guy in another state. Oh, so it's kind of a pattern, it seems. Aloofness, distance. <laughs> you know, dude. I think him trying to be in film, it, there's some connection with that. Oh, a lot of filmmakers, especially uh, those that write and direct their own stuff, can be very distant. It's an issue I had in my past relationship. Was there were times where I just was so concentrated in creating my own universe in this film that I would spend less time with my significant other. Mm. You know, so I think there's some, some connection there. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I know I do that as a comic sometimes. Do you? Mm-hmm. Got my basement. I was sleeping there the other night. It's the coat right now. You slept in your basement? Yeah. Um, to, to get inspired for comedy? Yeah, and life in general. I mean, it's all related, but... Um, this is a special Jewish holiday. It was when the Israelites were in the desert. You know, they were out of Egypt, but they weren't really back into Canaan yet. It was a limbo period. So they're just being guided by God. And they're absolutely dependent on him for survival. 
you know, they have all these hostile tribes they have to fight off. Um, they need to make it to certain holy sites to perform different rites and open the way up. And uh, they're facing all these temptations. They're fighting amongst themselves. Even Moses and Aaron and Miriam are going at it. You know, it, it's a really messy time in Jewish history. <laughs> and you're Jewish, I assume? Uh, my dad's side. So Your mom was that Jewish? No. Um, she's uh, Scots-Irish. Scots-Irish. Yeah, but I was raised as a Jew. She didn't want me to be raised as a Catholic. Or maybe my dad didn't. One of them. Did they meet here in California? Yeah. Uh, they met at Chabot College in Hayward. Chabot. Oh, Hayward. Yeah. Okay. And was he very religious? Or, or was he like a reformist Jew? I think he was a cultural Jew, I will say that. Um, theologically, I, I think he's got his doubts. Part of the thing is, um, for my dad, Judaism is tied to his dad. And he passed away when I was a teenager. Um, he had emphysema. He was a heavy smoker. And... Um, at the same time, it's like my dad grew up in a time in the Bay Area when the Jewish community was very strong. Um, you know, there were still grandparents that spoke Yiddish, and that language is all but dying out in the U.S., if not the world. You don't think there's a strong Jewish presence here? There is, but it's more political now. Um Oh, does it have to do with the... Uh, with it's the all about Israel and Zionism. I get so yeah. fucking sick of it because it has nothing to do with Judaism. I'm, I'm sorry, but that's really how I feel. I feel it's a distraction. It's a temptation. And people get so hung up on, oh, the state of Israel, the state of Israel, that, you know, they're absolutely uncritical about what that state does and how many people it murders every single year. Well, the, the state of Israel... Is very interesting to talk about because, in some ways, they're not that different from the U.S. And it's, it's true in the sense that there's a minority. No, no, yeah, there is a group of people that do most of the, those decision making in, in, in the uh, Israeli. Um, the Knesset. Yes. Yeah. And in the, you know, for the listeners who don't know, the Knesset is the Congress they have, or it's, oh, it's the are version. We on? Huh? Yeah, we're on. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. And and pretty much, it's a political group that that are the majority. What's the word I'm trying to look for? Point is that there's a select group of people who are very conservative and religious, and they don't represent the majority of Israelis. Because I've met a lot of Israelis, I dated an Israeli, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are, are just as confounded about this, you know, issues of the Palestinians as most people. It's just there's that select few in the government, especially around election season, that they're like, oh, well. Hardliners, yeah. Like yeah. Netanyahu. Yeah, especially him. Yeah, but I mean, he was an ass the other day. The UN finally recognized Palestine after decades, and he just gives them the silent treatment. Shame on you. They're not supposed to exist. They're not legitimate. You know, people think just because they're in, leader, in a role of a leadership or just in general, it's like, you know, world affairs you'd be surprised how much high school bullshit happens yes <laughs> you know what i'm saying at the end of the day they're fucking people with feelings True. and insecurities yeah you know especially now with with, with putin and, and obama and like it's like yeah but all these people they're fucking are kids there's kids running the fucking countries you know there's kids Fucking making these decisions that influences and can even kill yeah. other people. Yeah, because, you know, it's their pride. And that's understandable. I mean, it's it's human psychology. It's primate psychology, really. 
and that's 98% of our DNA, so that's a bit of a hurdle to jump over. Um, but yeah, it's part of the thing is Judaism is all about justice, you know, and for Jews to turn around and massacre other peoples is the deepest hypocrisy in the world. So a lot of people have a right to be pissed off about the Israeli government and the genocide that they're committing. I mean, over 2,000 Palestinians were killed, you know, back in 2014. Yeah. Well, the way I, the way I, the analogy I think about Palestine and Israel is from an outside observer, all you see is these two guys going at it. They're fighting the street. They're just constantly, because, you know, because Hamas is not helping either. Uh, so these two sides are fighting it. And from the outside, they're like, dude, there's two guys fighting it. Why don't they just stop? Or why don't they just, you know, take it easy? But deep inside that fight is these two people with deep-rooted mental issues. Think about, <laughs> just think about the history of that land and what that causes to groups of people, generations of, of, of conflict. Yeah, but if people really cared as much about the history of Israel as they claim to, they would know that the whole history of Israel is about being a good person. It's about spirituality and faith, and you're supposed to take care of strangers. Right. You know, but, that's but, a requirement. Sorry, I'm really passionate about this. No, I, I, I try to find the best way to approach this because you're you're comparing the history of uh, you're making a connection between the identity of, of Judaism and the history of that. Yeah, that, well, there is no that. separation. It's not one or the other. Um, do, 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 you, do you believe that's the, uh, the, the the milk and honey place and the <laughs> Jews are the chosen people to be in that area? Yeah, well, I mean, milk and honey was just the start, although that's quite nice. It's delicious and it's good for your stomach. But, um, you know, there's deeper things going on. Like when you read all these biblical uh, images of the waters and rivers of paradise, you know, that's... That's not just the physical rivers, although they're beautiful and powerful too, but that's talking about compassion and mercy. You know, those are the rivers that flow out of the, the Holy Garden. And there were significant rivers in Jerusalem. There's actually a big spring. I think it's called Gihon. That's right under the Temple Mount, basically. So, you know, that, that place wasn't just strategic. Um, it had a long, long spiritual tradition. Um, of being just a place of refuge and healing. Like even the image at the end of Revelations where they talk about the return to the tree of life and the, the healing of the nations. Um, you know, they're drawing all that imagery from local landmarks. Have you been to Israel? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not physically. Not physically. <laughs> I had an option. Um, I'm not sure if I followed up. There is this program called Birthright Israel that a lot of young Jews in America take advantage of where you can get an all-expenses-paid trip to Israel. But I'm not sure if I would have qualified for that. I mean, I don't know enough about the law of return to know whether it applies to halfies like myself. Because um, that's been an issue for me in comedy. Well, well, you know? well, then there's another issue where Judaism isn't properly... Uh, pass on it comes from the mother not the father yeah you know what a lot of that is bullshit i mean in the beginning those rules were designed to you know prevent paganism from continuing and all the bullshit that went with that um culturally yeah it became how, how did that stop paganism well 
the idea in the Old Testament is that women have a lot of power in men's lives, and they can influence them spiritually for better or for worse. Which is still, I, I think, oh, yeah. true yeah. in modern times. So, you know, for for Jewish men, a lot of Jewish culture is tied up with their mothers for better or worse. <laughs> Oh, I yeah. see it now. That's uh, smart. Yeah. We go for the mothers, right? Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. So it's interesting because it's a patriarchal religion, but a matriarchal culture. Right. <laughs> Does that explain the stereotype of the nagging Jewish mother? Yeah. Um, judgmental. <laughs> Judge Judy, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I grew up with all that because even my mom was inspired by Jewish women. Uh, she thought they were very strong. Uh, members of the community she admired you know Judy Shilin and Laura Schlesinger but I never liked them I just thought that they were scolds you know they were so harsh and you know there was something racist even about Judge Judy where you know white people cheer on this Jewish woman while she condemns black people you know on TV yeah and, and it was always poor black and brown folk you know who were up there in the court and she wouldn't even hear them out. She'd literally silence them. Shh, 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 shut up. You're stupid. You're not worth listening to. It's not like you're me. <laughs> How about the other judge? There's like Judge Brown, right? He's black. Yeah. Well, I don't know. My mom wasn't a big fan of the black judges. <laughs> Do you feel like there's a bit of racism a bit there? Yeah, just a little. Um, <laughs> just a little. Well, my family, you know... They... Well, so tell me a bit about your family. Where do they come from? I know that your dad's Jewish mm-hmm. and, and your mom. Were they like third generation Americans? Uh, fourth. Fourth, okay. Uh, on my dad's side. My mom's family's been here longer. Okay. And then they settled in Hayward? Um. Well, let's see. My mom is from Tracy originally. And uh, her uh, dad worked for the police department there. And... Um, oh, what happened is that when he was like within five years of retiring they took a gamble and the whole family moved up to british columbia to be with my great-grandparents in uh, canada yeah they had uh-huh. a cattle ranch up there um, in british columbia yeah isn't it freezing um not in the southern part not all the time oh, okay yeah so this Ooh. place called Kelowna. what do they cattle I mean, oh, is that a stupid question? What does, do you think? Do, 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 I, I don't do, know do, enough about do, do, cattle does, farming does, does cattle imply cows only uh, mostly, because yeah. for some reason, when I think of Canada and 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 like cattling, I think of like mooses, like people, reindeers, and it tells you how how you know <laughs> American stupidity I got. Uh. <laughs> All right, so so they went to British Columbia. Yeah, and uh, it didn't work out because my grandpa and my great grandpa just did not get along. It was one of these "you're not good enough for my daughter," even though the guy had already proven himself again and again, and he was married. How, yeah. how, how so? Well, my grandpa always went out of the way for my grandmother, and they do have a big age difference. You know, they're 12 years apart. He's the older one. Wow. Yeah, they made on a bus uh, coming back from Sacramento. Um, There was something going on, but he was in the Navy during the war, and afterwards, you know, he took advantage of the GI Bill. He got his education. He was in chiropractic school for a while, but then uh, that didn't work out anywhere. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway. So they were fighting up in Canada, and it didn't work out. And so they decided to move back home and just, you know, recoup their losses as best they can. And they did lose a lot of money. The biggest thing is that if he had stayed with the Tracy PD, he would have been able to retire with a pension. 
and he lost his pension basically so when they got back they moved to Livermore uh, they lived off Arroyo Drive where uh, the Wente brothers have their winery now uh, the building's still there even <laughs> <laughs> but um, he went to work doing security for the Livermore lab and um, my my grandfather it's like he's got a great sense of humor but he's also a very cynical man i think life's been very very hard to him and he just doesn't have any faith in human nature and anymore. this is, is this the scottish irish side yeah okay yeah ken firth that's his name um he lives up in oroville and um yeah it was just so he raised his family there in livermore um that's yeah, so your mom yeah and she uh you know their pa- their family was poor and she always told me that that was a big traumatic thing for her just you know being poor having no money worrying about things all the time and uh so she married a Jew <laughs> ah. <laughs> but yeah i mean my my dad was from pleasanton uh-huh. um originally he was born in oakland uh the family moved over the hill um in the 60s or the 70s and cuz originally i think uh there was more diversity in Oakland, but that was when white flight started. People just didn't want to be around blacks. It wasn't fair. It wasn't right. They just, oh, they're going to lower my real estate values. Is this, this is back in the 80s, 70s? Yeah, and, but it continued. I mean, it's like, so my, my parents meet, they fall in love, and they get married. And uh, my dad is going to University of the Pacific in Stockton. He gets uh, his uh, doctorate degree in chemistry um, just right around the time that I'm born in 83. And, uh, you know, we don't stay in Stockton very long. I have no memory of it, but my mom can point out the landmarks. We moved down south uh, to Long Beach, uh, Fountain Valley first. But now, During this time, were you born? Yeah, I was born, and then my brother was born down south after the move. Okay, and it's just you and your brother? Yeah, just the two of us. Okay, and at the time, what, what line of work was your parents doing? What did your father do? He was a chemist. Um, he went, okay. went to work for uh, the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena. What kind of uh, field was he in chemistry? Biochemistry. Uh, he works with proteins, uh, synthesis. Um, he didn't work directly on the Human Genome Project, but he contributed a lot of the technology that was a part of it. Wow. Yeah, he's a smart guy. And your mother? She also uh, works? She's a nurse, yeah. So um, after she got her AA at Chabot, she went to UCSF and did the nursing program there, and she became a registered nurse. It's a four-year degree. And uh, went to work for a lot of places in the Bay. Didn't have much luck. She actually got fired from one. Oh. Had a bad boss. But later down... Uh, in, down south in the LA area, Long Beach and stuff, uh, she had some better luck with work. So how was it for you traveling so many places? It's like you know, I loved it. Did you? <laughs> I did. I love travel, and that's that's one of the things I remember growing up is driving around uh, to see different family members in different parts of California. Later, uh, Oregon and Washington too. Um, yeah, so I I've always loved traveling and. My family, they didn't move all the time, but they moved enough that it, it was significant. It made an impact on me. You and your brother? Yeah. Are you guys close? Very close. Yeah. My brother okay. is one of my best friends. What does he do? He's a soldier. Uh, he's an officer in the Army. Currently? Yes. Uh, he's stationed in Georgia right now, but he's about to move to upstate New York with his wife. Okay. Yeah. It seems like you come from a very educated family, a very... Uh, you know, it seems you, 
pretty okay. But I, I get a sense of a bit of resentment there, maybe, like authoritative. Yeah. What do you think that is? Well, a lot of it is the military and the police stuff. Um, you know, my grandfather was uh, a sailor and a police officer. And, uh, you know, he's fiercely conservative, just dismisses you anything you have to say if it's remotely liberal. Um, and uh, my uncle, this is my aunt's uh, husband, uh, he's a Marine. Hmm. And he married into the family when I was uh, like a teenager, I want to say. But, uh, you know, the two of them just kind of dominate our family. And for the longest time, I think my dad just went along with it. Hmm. Um, it's like in the 80s, Jews began to be homogenized and become white like everybody else. They were freaks before then. I mean, now nobody really bats an eye about it. They're just like, oh, you'd be nicer with Jesus. But, you know, Jews are mostly accepted in the U.S. I mean, we're a huge part of the U.S. culture and, and the military and the state of Israel is the U.S.'s biggest ally. So... And so did this make it difficult for you to come out of the closet? Extremely. <laughs> at, at what age did you realize that, that you're gay? Oh, um, high school. I mean, when puberty hit, I, I didn't really understand at first what was happening. And then I put two to two together and it was just terrifying. Um, I think I, I told my best friend first and I... It took me almost five minutes to get the words out of my mouth. <laughs> and by then, you know, my, my family was living up in the Northwest. Uh, we moved up there so my dad could start a company, mm -hmm. a biotech company called Prolinks, uh, that did protein synthesis uh, over in a town called Bothell. It's near uh, Redmond, Seattle. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was being bar mitzvahed then. And... Uh, you know, it's it's weird because we were we were reformed Jews originally, but there were no reform synagogues up north, so we had to go to a conservative one. And they're much heavier on the Zionism and the guilt tripping and the send money to Israel and why aren't you giving us more money? And anti gay. <sighs> was was this the Hasidic sect? No, no. Okay. Um Hasidicism is uh, a mystical movement. It came out of Poland. Mm -hmm. And it's tied up with Orthodox Judaism. It's connected to the shul system, the original uh, Jewish academies, where you know people didn't just learn the Bible, they learned uh, the Talmud too, uh, which is all the oral traditions of Judaism. Um, it's a bit of a bigger picture. Um, but you know when, when Jerusalem was being sacked by the Romans, they wanted to make sure that they kept all these traditions alive because they were in danger of being lost. And up to that point, they'd never write them down because it was too holy. But now they felt like, well, we got to choose between profanation or extinction. Okay. Yeah. But that was like Judaism shifted its character around them because originally it was more priest-based, kind of like Catholicism. But it shifted more to a scholar model. You know, the rabbis, the ideal rabbi was supposed to be a holy sage. You know, he was an expert in the Hebrew language and the Aramaic one, too. Because parts of the Old Testament, like the Book of Daniel, are in Aramaic. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a later period. But yeah, they had to learn all the stuff. And so this idea of scholarship as a holy pursuit became very important to Jews, especially in the exile, um, because they, they were out of Israel. They were living in, in Christian lands and then later Muslim ones. And their whole identity was kept alive by preserving the language and the culture 
and the whole educational system that comes out of Babylon, you know? <laughs> okay. I mean, that's when the Talmud was created, was during the Babylonian exile and later on. <sighs> Sorry, I went off on a, okay. a tangent. But so, yeah. so what age did you come out to uh, your parents? I came out to my mom first, and I think I was like, gosh, I want to say 15 or 16, maybe even earlier. But um, And this was the 90s? Yeah, yeah, it was the 90s. Um, there, there was still a bit of an HIV uh, you know, scare. Oh, yeah, for sure. For the gay uh, community. Well, not just that, but everybody was convinced that gays were pedophiles, too. Like, yeah. I was in Boy Scouts, which was really important to my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big leader in the Boy Scouts nationally. Uh, he got this big national award called the Silver Beaver, like the day after I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we only went to synagogue a little bit, and it was confusing for me because sometimes he was more passionate about Scouts than he was about Judaism. And I was like, okay, why do I have to get raised with all this? Why is it so important when they're not going to accept me you're more into scouts and i'm not even sure if you believe in god you know <laughs> yeah I, I get it yeah so if i'm resentful yeah i got my reasons well uh, how did your mom respond to it um kind of like a science experiment <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean she treated it clinically she wanted me to go to the library and do lots of research on it to figure it out and read all the latest studies so she was for the most part tolerant tolerant yeah and your father we didn't talk about it for a couple years. Later on, he lightened up about it more. But at first, I was really ashamed, and I was worried he was too. Um, never mentioned it to my grandparents, although my parents ended up outing me to them anyway. But this started a, a bad habit because it was like I had my own experience as a gay boy. And, um, you know, my mother would then try to justify it, and then my father would interpret it. And then my grandparents would criticize it. Okay. Yeah, kind of like traditional Mishnaic exegesis. <laughs> but you still continued on with school? Yeah. Um, so let's see. In the 90s, in Washington was awesome, by the way. Was um, it? Redmond is really a sister city uh, to San Jose. I know there's this rivalry going on between Apple and Microsoft, but the truth is, it's all techies. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and lots of people have moved back and forth. Like, um, a roommate I had when I was at SJSU, he went to my high school, but he was four years apart. Um, so, But his family was from down here, so we understood each other. What did you study in SJSU? Um... Well, that was grad school later on. I, I went to high school in Washington. I went to Sonoma State. What did uh, you study in Sonoma? At history. and Do yeah. you, Let me guess. Jewish history? Uh, well, that was a part of it, but religious history in general. I, I became a student of comparative religions. Oh, so what, considering that you, that at the young age, you, you, you're you gay, uh-huh. which a lot of religion institutions don't really accept. Yeah, at all. But yeah. <laughs> But yet, but yet, you decided to study religion. I had to. It was self-defense. Against what? Against going to hell. So you figure by studying it, it would it would compensate. Although you have nothing to compensate, but you felt like you needed to. It's a fair point, but yeah, that's how I felt. I mean, 
it was also terrifying for me because I didn't understand what was happening. I thought I was turning into a werewolf, you know? Um, and I kept figuring, I kept trying to figure out what is wrong with me that I'm turning into this horrible thing. And so I had to do this thorough moral and psychological evaluation of myself before I arrived at the conclusion that I was a human being. <laughs> of course you're a human being. You know, a lot of people would debate this fact. You'd be surprised. <laughs> but, but the thing is, I find interesting that you studied religion in college. Mm-hmm. You know, at that, to- at that point, it, for me, what, how did that go for you? It was a mixed experience. Um, ever since high school, all my Christian friends have been trying to proselytize me. They consider old Judaism to be an inferior, defunct religion. And they, they feel that Jews are incomplete until we accept Jesus, which is a very unchristian attitude if you come right down to it, because Jesus was a Jew, and if you study the Gospels, he was never tooting his own horn. He was always right. talking about God and yeah. helping other people. There's that debate of, of did Jesus try to uh, change Judaism mm-hmm. or just add to it, you know? He built on it like a foundation. You know, he was very steeped in the prophetic tradition. Right. Like, like there was no intentions of him making his own religion. It was just him no. building what he already knew. Yeah. And well, adding I mean, on to Especially it. in monotheism, you know, there's just this idea that all, all the different religions are interpretations and understanding of God. Um, even the pagans understand God via imagery and archetypes and symbolism. I mean, they, they cut God up into a million pieces, and that's where you get all the different figures of mythology. Uh, but there is some basis for that, you know, behind the legends and the myths. Okay. Yeah. And then you graduated? Mm-hmm. I graduated in 2005, uh, which is the same year my mom got the car that I have now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I, I went on a lot of different adventures, but eventually... Uh, I ended up back at SJSU after living in Hawaii for about a year. What were we doing in Hawaii? Finding myself, enjoying paradise, and... uh, Hmm. Seems like you're you're on this constant path of self-discovery. Yeah. Well, that's always been my drive, is to just know myself. Do you feel like you currently don't know yourself? I'm learning more. Um, I'm on a a path for sure, but there's still a lot of mysteries. See, (laughs) part of me says, don't... Like usually, because I met other people who are, are on the similar boat. They're like, "Yeah, I'm just trying to see me, you know, trying to uh, soul search." Mm-hmm. But, but there's a part of me that goes, "Maybe I don't want to know myself." <laughs> Maybe you scared. Ma- not not so much that I'm scared, but it's more like, what is it I'm trying to look inside here? If if it is what it is, of my by my reactions of the outside world. Does that make sense? Yeah, but that's still the process of self-knowledge. I mean, yeah, it can be intimidating, uh, but it's important. You know, without reflection, you know, you you fall for things. You get stuck in illusions, sins. Um, And that's just not a healthy way to live your life. I mean, even Greek philosophers can agree on this. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Okay. Now, when did you get... At what point through the different phases of your life did you decide to get into comedy? Well, um, 
the members of my family have always been comics, except maybe for my grandmother. She has no sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there's some like they're funny. To yeah, my grandpa's funny. Were, were they in the my arts as well? Funny. Um, well, my dad is a scientist, and my mom too. Yeah, there's some art form in the sciences. Mm, yeah, to a point. Um, some of the things get elaborate and elegant after a while, but they're more empirical. They're more hard scientists, and uh, a lot of the things that I was into growing up, uh, you know, they just thought were poofy or or gooey. <laughs> like what? Um, well, I really got into languages, and comedy was a part of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I was studying linguistics at SJSU. I was in the grad program trying to work on an MA. It didn't, it didn't work out. But um, comedy was an aspect of that. I always loved it. And I, I fell in love with Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert in the O's. And they were lifesavers for me and my brother. And it was, it was so funny because, you know, it, it was a liberal Jewish guy and a liberal Catholic guy. And um, we related to that a lot because that was both sides of our family. I mean, with Colbert, it was kind of like a younger, more idealistic version of my grandfather. Uh, there, there's aspects of the Republicans that I do admire. I admire their, their self-reliance and I admire um, their confidence. And, you know, that came from winning the war. Um, you know, people talk wistfully about the 50s as these good old days... And it's not totally true, but there was a certain aspect of self-assurance that Americans had, you know, from that victory. And that, that stayed with them. And and they got conceited with it after a while because they were like, oh, well, we're hot shit. We're America. We're always right. God rubber stamps everything we do. And that's where I think we get a lot of the hubris in politics today. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't realize I was going to be so fucking preachy today. <laughs> no, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Somebody out there's got to dig it. Yeah, but we do. We do. We have to talk about these issues because otherwise they're just going to keep biting us in the butt. So did you, were you influenced by political satire to get into comedy? Yeah, I mean, I'm a very political comedian. And, you know, with, with Stuart and Colbert, they were big influences on me. Um and at what point were you like, all right, I gotta, I gotta try this out? Okay. Um, it was 2013. What had happened is that 2012, uh, the, the Mayans were, <laughs> were very misinterpreted, but a lot of people decided it was a good excuse for an apocalypse, so we had one. And um, I, I, I was out of grad school, and I was very, very sick uh, in the head and uh, in my body. What I, do you mean? What were you sick with? scoliosis and ptsd (laughs) where do you get the ptsd from well i got assaulted in hawaii and then later on when i got back to the mainland i went on a trip in 2011 or 2012 uh with my friend from oregon who had it himself already and um we got into some trouble going through idaho uh on the way back to oregon through washington where he was really high driving the car and he was sleep deprived and then in front of us there was a guy coming back from Coeur d'Alene with his boat and the boat fell off the truck and hit our car mm-hmm. and you know it put us all on edge we were okay but then later on you know we had all these issues building up from years of tension and in eastern Washington in the middle of the night you know I, I really got mad at Ben and we got into a fight but 
I'm not a very good fighter. <laughs> I've never been a, a good warrior. I'm just not good at it. And it was two against one because our other friend was there and he just sided with Ben automatically. And he choked me um, very hard, very forcefully, almost like a Sistema choke. Uh, enough that my bones were dislodged and I, I had to go to chiropractic the last few years to get my spine back together. Um, so, you know, we... I got back to Oregon on my own. I, I think I don't remember a lot. It was a hard time. Hmm. And you said you were back in Hawaii. Yeah. You got hurt as well. Yeah, so... Similar? Life you got was, in a fight? Yeah, I mean, life was kicking the shit out of me. And ro romance, too. I got my heart broken in Hawaii. And I started to fear that, you know, this is what always happens to gay people. You can't love a man. Your life's just going to go to shit if you do. So you can keep going with it and go to hell. And everything indicates you're heading in that direction. Or you can become celibate, um, which was the new theory. Because hmm. <laughs> in the O's, you know, the Christians tried to turn gay people straight, and it was a huge disaster. Um, especially with the, the closeted gay guys who tried so desperately to go along with it. Um because nobody wants to be damned. But the truth is, it's like, you can create hell for people just by demonizing them. And Christianity is supposed to be all about mercy and forgiveness and love. But here these people are just making our lives absolutely miserable. <laughs> miserable. <laughs> <laughs> that was a portmanteau. Um, but yeah, um... It was very painful and very frightening because you just felt like nobody loves you, not even God. And then? And then, you know, shit went to hell with school. Um, part of the thing is I had been into the occult for years and years, and that's one of the reasons I got into linguistics. Um, okay. What kind of occult? Uh magic mysticism esoterica you know anything wondrous and weird and exciting i mean it, it was sexy and there was a lot of other gay guys that were into it back then but part of it also is i found this old jewish book of magic from the middle ages uh it's called the book of abramelin and it was kind of fantastic but it also it taught you this process by which you could call a guardian angel to help you um your your own one like one assigned to you from birth that you know direct inspiration from god and through this you know you could know yourself and then you would have power over all the demons in your life so i decided to undergo that operation and i was doing research about you know the book and the history and the traditions and the spirituality and stuff while i was at school but i was i was proud of it and everybody else thought i was insane basically um my advisors and teachers had absolutely no respect for me didn't help that i was on drugs too but you know at the same time i was a heli and i just didn't care i'm like all right you think i'm the devil fine i am fuck you hmm. and uh you know and that was exciting and fun for a while but you know i, I got into methamphetamine which really fucked up my life and my skin Ugh. <laughs> i still got the scars this was during sjsu yes um are you off now? Or? Yeah, I haven't done it in two years. Okay. Rehab? 
Or no. you cold turkey? Cold turkey, but I took a long time. I stepped down off of it. I think at one point when I was really miserable and living with my parents, I was using it maybe two or three times a month. But then I stepped down to using it only once a season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I quit when Breaking Bad ended. <laughs> oh, Breaking Bad was the enabler? Yeah. No, well, sort of, kind of. Yeah, I guess. It, it did tend to press the buttons. Okay. Um, but I really related to that story. Um, maybe because my dad was a chemist, but also I liked Jesse's character a lot. <laughs> um, Aaron Paul's. He did an amazing performance. And there were so many scenes. It's like... He's a little dragon, you know. He's this hard, tough kid that doesn't give a shit about anything. But as the story goes on, it's it's weird because it's like Walt becomes more and more corrupt, but Jesse almost, you know, starts to rise above it. By the end of it, he just wants out, and he's just thinking about becoming a carpenter like he used to dream of when he was a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was a very emotional finale for me. <laughs> So you can relate to that character. Very much so, yeah. The the character who's doing pretty much looking for a way out. But at the end of the day, he just wants to live a simple life. Yeah. Yeah, estranged from his family. um, Artistic skill. uh, Good at chemistry, but didn't find out until it was the hard way. (laughs) Seems like having a hard time finding uh, or uh, feeling accepted in a community whether it's the Jewish do you feel like yeah. you're accepted in the Jewish community no family in comedy do you feel like you're accepted yeah but I had to fight for it how so I had to earn people's respect I mean the first time I walked into Woodham's I was absolutely terrified um, you know here was this Marshall bar full of straight guys working class straight guys too here I'm this rich white faggot with all this money you know, and so I have to make them laugh. I have to show them that I am human, um, that I do deserve respect, that I do have my dignity, and that was an uphill battle. In some ways, that's the the, the way of comedy, don't you? Mm-hmm. It's, it's and a, I learned that. Yeah. Where you, you got to prove yourself. No, no matter if you're rich, poor, or if you're uh, gay, straight, or, yeah. or any kind of so you could, if if you could put up of bombing constantly and put up, you know just keep doing it that like it proves it already yeah uh, and everybody goes through that and that's why we bond you know we become brothers and sisters it's, it really is a tribe and that means more to me than i think a lot of the guys realize because i've never really had that in my life i mean i've i've jumped between a lot of different groups and been inspired by people but you know it's like even in the gay community everybody thought i was a freak <laughs> I was wow. good for sex, but <laughs> yeah. the, the thing is also, it's like 30 is considered death for a gay man. It's bullshit, but um, I feel like gay men are, are traumatized when they're young. They finally, they get out of the closet and they, they go to an opposite extreme. First, they want to just have as much sex as possible because fuck you, finally. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but then later on, they have trouble with relationships. Um, promiscuity is an issue in the community. And, you know, HIV and other sexually transmitted diseases do go with that. Um, it still it amazes me that people don't use condoms. I don't know what the fuck they're thinking. And you're saying across the board in the gay community, promiscuity. <sighs> well, it was in America anyway. America. Um, but I don't know, all over the place. It's just a mess because you have all these hurt people and the way they deal with their pain is they try to make themselves larger than life. 
I'm so fabulous. I'm legendary. I'm glamorous. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. So it's like a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. That's my uh, opinion on the subject. Do you feel that comedy is a coping mechanism for you? I know it is for me. Yeah, but more than coping, I feel cleansed when I do comedy. Well, um, it's exorcism. You know, I uh, I can take my fears and I can assault them. And also, it's funny because sometimes I see my demons show up and they're possessing different hecklers. <laughs> but yeah, people get into a bad spirit and then they want to attack you. And I've been there myself. I know what it's like. Sometimes the irrational part of you overwhelms the conscious you know sane part and you know that's just evolution we we're we not angels with no bodies floating up in the air we're human beings and we have to come we're, overcome thousands and hundreds of thousands of years of history and conditioning and programming and that's that's deeper than our conscious mind that's in our genes <laughs> what was the first place you did stand up very first place uh, the San Francisco Comedy College at... Um, oh, you attended a, a comedy college? Yeah. Um, Just like uh, PX and Iris Benson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, were, were you guys in the same class? I wasn't in their class. Damon Ferguson and Noah Gain were in my class, though. Noah Gain? Also, yeah. I don't know that he went to a comedy college. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Noah's a sweetie. But um, the thing that happened was, like, my life was going downhill in 2012, and it's like I knew that I was going to make it to school and then my boyfriend cheated on me and I found out about it and then on top of that he found out after he got tested that he had HIV Oh. so this all hit me at once and I was just in fetal position during New Year's did you get tested? I did and miraculously I am still negative but I was so fucking lucky because you know he had been tested a while ago and I had been on him and I'm like you know, are, are you clean? He's like, yes, yes, I'm negative. I got the stuff from the hospital. I can show it to you. But he didn't know. Um, and, you know, that's not necessarily his fault because the virus doesn't necessarily show up within two, three weeks of infection. Hmm. Um, you need special tests to see it. Um, the standard test just shows the symptoms pretty much after it's too late. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I was sorry too. Um, so... In t I saw this movie with Mike Birbiglia uh, that I loved from This American Life. I always loved him. And he made a movie called Sleepwalk With Me. I watched it on Netflix during that winter. And it's a story about a guy who's working at a comedy club, and he's been wanting to get into it for years and years, but his jokes aren't good. Nobody's got a break. He's got a, an agent. He, uh, but I, well, I don't know. He just he has a breakthrough moment. Um, because his life is going to shit. And he stops trying to hack it. You, you know that moment is like when you shift from what you think is supposed to be funny to your authentic experience that only you can do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so he goes through that, he starts getting the laugh, and his comedy career starts taking off. And that was what inspired me to become a comic. And you uh, went to community college, I mean, community college, uh, yeah. comedy college. Yeah. Well, in, in 2013, it's like um, the San Jose Improv was hosting uh, Curtis Matthews for comedy college classes. I saw a banner outside and, you know, it was one of those velleity things originally where you look at it and you're like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? But by the beginning of the year, everything was just so shitty. 
and it was along the way anyway and I was just like you know what it's cheaper than therapy <laughs> and that's what I told my dad I mean I didn't come up with that line there's actually a show in San Francisco called cheaper than therapy but yeah I'd been to therapy before it never been particularly helpful for me um, and I loved it immediately I mean the, the techniques that I learned from the class were simple enough that I could just start applying them right away. We had a good book we used, um, Greg Dean's Guide. Mm-hmm. And then I found this other cool book called uh, Zen and the Art of Stand-Up Comedy. And with those and, and with my class, you know, I, I had freedom. And uh, Curtis was very, very supportive. And I also met this other uh, lady named Margo Lightman. I took a class with her on uh, writing a memoir which is something that I've been working on. You're writing a memoir? Yeah. Okay. And then from there on, you, you didn't look back? You're just hitting up those mics? Oh, I looked back a little. I mean, I was still living with my roommate over in Nagley Park, you know, and, and he was a Marine, and his buddies are just killing themselves left and right. And so he's very, very frustrated, and he's trying to finish a degree that's a couple years late for him. And he was just mad all the time, and he'd take it out on me sometimes. And Marines are horrifying when they're angry. They yell at you so loudly. Yeah. Oh, it's is very he, was he, suf- is he suffering from PTSD? I don't think so, because I don't think he ever saw combat. Um, he joined up in the Clinton administration, so he mostly did security for um, embassies. That was his thing, which is part of how he got into languages. Um so yeah the two of us lived there with one other guy named Marco Barbosa and it's like we were really close and we were really good friends but I started just going absolutely downhill and nobody could save me and he wasn't strong on the social skills so his way of dealing with it was to just lock himself in his room and never talk to me Hmm. but he still paid rent Oh, I still paid rent, yeah. <laughs> oh, he didn't even do that? No, no, no. I mean, he was the house manager. Oh, was he? Okay. He, he paid more rent than I did. Oh. <laughs> no, yeah, he had the nice room in the front. Um. So, David. Yeah. How are you doing now, though, in life? Because you've Good. gone through several versions <laughs> of hell. Yeah, all, all seven layers. How are you doing so far? Um. Yeah, I, uh, I'm on more solid level ground these days. I mean, I, I still have a lot of things I'm processing it, but I'm on my way. And uh, my boyfriend and I are still together. Okay, so you, you're currently in a relationship? Yeah. Is been... this the same guy? Mm-hmm. The HIV positive guy? Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, God, I don't want... His name is Augustine. Okay, um, sorry about that. Yeah. Augustine? Yeah, and you know, he didn't want me to talk about that kind of stuff with comedy, but I needed to. I needed to get it off my chest, and I don't fault him anymore. Hmm. I mean... How'd you guys meet? We met at the Water Garden. It's a gay club on the Alameda. Okay. Yeah, he was in the spa. How long has it been together? Uh, three years, nine months. Um, and you know we've we've been through so much. We we hung together, um, but it, it's hard. Um, is he supportive for the most part? Yes. Of yes. you being comedy. Yeah, he's very supportive, but he works so much that he can never come to the mics. He doesn't mm-hmm. get off work until like 8.30 usually, and by then he's too tired. Mm. Um, so I rarely see him up there, and that's that's hard. The other thing is like we've got a language barrier because he's only intermediate skill with English, and, and I'm about the same with Spanish. Is, is he Mexican? Mm-hmm. He's from Mexico City. Mexico City. Yeah. 
and he's 47 too so he's a lot older than me mm -hmm. but you know he's very youthful for his age he's an <laughs> optimist he's very positive um he works very hard he, he just he, he figured out a few secrets about how to be happy mm. and uh so he, he's very much about that kind of thought and, and spirit um whereas it's like i'm younger but i have gray hair and he doesn't you know no i'm i'm younger than you and i'm balding oh uh, okay well that's different though um and i got a couple gray hairs all right all right <laughs> um yeah and that's not so bad a gray hair is like a sign like hey don't take yourself too seriously your time's limited <laughs> um mm -hmm. but yeah it, i do love him a lot and he loves me and we are still together but it has been a very hard and difficult relationship and everybody else has been very critical about it like my parents didn't expect us to stay together like my mom even made sure their new place in santa clara has an extra room so when we break up as she assumes we will i'll have a place to sleep hmm. yeah my, my mom means the best for me but sometimes she can be very domineering yeah Well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get all sad on you. <laughs> no, no, I'm just making sure you're okay. If you were to 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 meet yourself, younger yourself, mm -hmm. what's something you would tell yourself? If if you went back in time, take care of your body. Take care of your body. <laughs> I wish that you know I continued with Aikido. Um, I did that in high school. I even became a living student for six months, but. Um, I was really frustrated with my sensei and my life and I wanted to do my own thing and he was very strict which was good because he was training me in traditional Japanese martial arts which was very valuable and I had a good community but part of the tension was also is that he was Christian and as a Jew and as a gay man he looked down on me so the whole thing was kind of conditional it's like well I'm going to take you in as a charity case and we're going to see if we can save your soul. And although I learned a lot about Christianity then and ever since, and I do appreciate it as a beautiful religion, I always resented it, having it shoved in me as, as a necessity, as if I was, wasn't enough of a good person until I had been rubber stamped with Jesus's name. Mm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that seems to be a common theme throughout your life is this, this concept of being saved. Yeah. Sorry to break it to you, Dave, but there's nothing to be saved from. Oh, sure there is. I don't think so. <laughs> Look around us, Jorge. The world is going to hell. Well, <laughs> the, the world, it is what it is. There's a lot of bad shit in the world, and there's a lot of good shit in the world. Good shit, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and that could be a part of it if you're into that, into uh, weed yeah. or whatever, but... but <laughs> <I do it. laughs> like, who is this person because we say you're saving someone it's assuming that there's a high moral ground that someone needs to take us up to it's, well yeah I think personally it's it's not really as long as, as you're, you're a good person and you and you have good intentions I think that's all there is there's no there's no sense of of, of religion politics stuff I think this whole idea of saving someone else from their own for their own good it's like bullshit yeah it is, and people can be very arrogant and hypocritical about it. Um, 
But God is my salvation. You know, God keeps me sane. Without God, I would have no peace in life. And you and and you have faith yes. in God. That's fucking amazing. Oh, thank you. That's fucking amazing. You are amazing for still having faith. I'm not. I'm not in no way. <laughs> am I? Because trust me, man. I I had my issues with God, and I didn't deal with half of the shit you dealt with. <laughs> Yeah, but there's a danger in that, you know. That can go to my head. I can start to think, oh, look at me. I'm so religious. And that leads to sanctimony and the same kind of bullshit I hated growing up. So I don't want to condemn Christians. Um, Tell me more about this, though. I don't mean to sound like I'm prying too much, but like okay. maybe I already have. But you still have faith in God. I'm not, I'm not atheist, but God damn, man. The people who, who, you know, your religious people that you had to deal with fucked you over. Yeah, but there's, you know, the more I studied the Bible and the Quran, the more I was, I learned to separate the chaff from the wheat. I learned how to spot bullshit and, and discriminate, not in the sense we think of, you're good, you're bad, but more like, what's healthy and what's not? What's sane and what's not? What's going to cause hate and what's going to cause love? Um... So, you know, it's weird because, I don't know, I mean, I, I guess I am a Christian in a way. I don't worship Jesus, but I do accept him as a prophet. Um, well, even the even Islam accepts Jesus as a yeah, prophet. Yeah, exactly. So, I think, you know, that's common ground. Um, but people just, they, they use the gospel as a weapon. And they talked about it in that movie. You remember Saved with Mandy Moore? Yeah, yeah, totally hilarious saved. movie. Yeah. I always loved that one. But they talk about a lot of the same issues, um, you know, about how how Christians look down on Jews and gays and even women. But but yeah. I think that transcends just Christianity and Judaism. This could be found in many other religions in it's the world. It's true. It's a human it, problem. <laughs> you know, the, the, even in politics, you know, uh, uh, other political parties look down on the other political parties. Yeah. So I think it transcends just religion. And that's what I'm saying. It, yeah, it's, but that's it, where my specific beef is. <laughs> so it's it's personal for me. And it's, it's hard to step out of that. Um, honestly, it's like I still feel a lot of resentment towards the Protestant churches. Even though I've attended them and they, they supported my Boy Scout troop. Methodists were great that way. But, um, you know, like I always wanted to go to a black church service. Uh, black folk really inspire me. What's I, stopping you from doing that? The homophobia. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah that's like I, I expected a different answer, but I was like, you know what? That's pretty practical. <laughs> Spot yeah. on. Okay. Well, hell, I mean, I live across the street from a mosque. I'd love to go in there and attend a service sometimes, but they're not really big on gay dudes. <laughs> I'm interested Sorry in all of it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry well, to hear that. That's always been the issue. It's like. Other than that one thing, you know, I've tried so hard to be a good person, and I just feel like it's never enough for these people, um, which is weird because it says in Deuteronomy, it's not in heaven that you should say who could reach it, and it's not under the sea that you should say who can dive down and get it for us. You know, religious laws are supposed to be practical, um, and I just feel like people have set a higher standard for gays than they have for themselves huh. but you, you're smart enough to know that you don't need their approval well intelligence is one thing and then there's your fears you know and that's that's why I do what I do you know I, I learned Kabbalah 
and uh, I learned exorcism, and I learned comedy. And all these things help me out. They help me to confront the things that terrify me. See, but you, I get it. Uh, to some degree, I get it. You're looking for validation and approval. Mm, but not approval. Although there, I was wanting that for a while, but it's not about approval anymore. And I, I'm validated just by being alive at this point. Can you say that? <laughs> can you say that you're content with who you are? Yeah. <laughs> what, what more do you want? You're an awesome person, as it is. Yeah, but I gotta be a warrior, because other people are not content with who I am, and they're not gonna let me rest in peace. Do you believe that there's a difference between being a soldier and a warrior? They can be the same, not necessarily, but being a warrior is a spiritual thing. Um, being a Exactly, war- yeah. I, I agree. There's a difference between being a soldier and being a warrior. Yeah, I mean, I grew up on Carlos Castaneda, and a lot of people think he was a total fake, but I think his greatest trick was convincing the world the devil didn't exist. <laughs> oh, he's, he's Kaiser Sose, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but the difference is, is the state of mind. Yeah. The warrior state of mind is not always what people assume, which is a violence of strength. Mm. It is not. It's also about acknowledging your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And accepting both your weaknesses and your strengths, and utilizing what you already know to to carry on with life. Soldier, they follow orders. Yeah. Soldiers are constantly told this is the way it has to be done. Yeah. But and this is the, how you have to view the world. Priests follow orders too. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a really good, good right there. It's like our our priests in, in that sense our priest soldiers. Yeah. The soldiers of Christ, they sing about it. Yeah. But a warrior, if, 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 if it doesn't, God, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> I'm trying to, God damn, I'm, I'm, I'm here talking about, you know, this whole bullshit about saving, and here I am trying to save you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, trying to say, I'm trying to convince you that, that You're not as bad as you think you are But then again man You yeah. have your own shit You have your own life I get it And I, I, I truly wish you the best And you're right It's like I have to accept myself for who I am And just go from there yeah, And I get it It's it's not easy yeah, I get it Hey not. I, I'm a hetero guy in Silicon Valley And I still hate myself to a certain extent I oh, don't do that But 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 But, but, but You know I, I, I just sympathize so much with you right now because I've seen you around the comedy circuits and you usually keep to yourself and your your style of comedy is it's very different it's more of a you, how can I say this you, you you really put out what you honestly feel about things and you, and the audience either take it or not right mm-hmm. and, and, and you're in the way I see I perceive it is like you're putting it out there and you don't really care because you, you I, I just oh, fuck dude I don't know man I just sympathize you so much right now I care uh, and I, I wish I wish you find what it is you're looking for thank you uh, it, it, there's one hour we just went over one hour one hour of this podcast if there's anything you like to let the world know what would it be quack quack what does that mean it means we're all a bunch of fakes wearing masks. Just that? Just that. That's pretty powerful in itself. <laughs> <laughs> but you do see the beauty of the world as well, don't you? Of course, yeah. 
Um, the ugliness gets overwhelming sometimes. But yeah, comedy is beautiful to me. Um, do you feel like you put ugliness on a pedestal? Do you no, feel like, do you I feel just like feel you... like it's forced on me. I have to deal with it every day. That's just the reality of my life. That's the reality of every gay man's life. Um, people are... There was this this quote I like. Um, it was Watts told it to me, but it, it wasn't him. But he said, um, there was always some crazy group of odd fellows out there that will hunt you down and try to convince you to join their band. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David Stolowitz. Thank you it's, so much, it's, Jorge. It's been a pleasure having you here. Yeah. Thank you for coming.